All right, thank you for that this evening. Keep your Bibles open here to Psalm chapter 100. We're going to look at this uh, for a minute, uh, in a couple minutes here, and we'll go through the chapter. Thank you for being here. Thank you for a great Sunday morning and all you do to help and make that happen and then coming back on Sunday night, and I am thankful for that. Um, if, you, if, if really, if we think about the average person, if we had a choice between uh, being thankful, being grateful, or complaining, most of us would take complaining, okay? How many of you know that? rest of your line, all right? We may not consciously say, we may not consciously say, you know, I want to complain, but in reality, that's what we do. My wife and I, a while ago, we were at um, a place over by Jessica's house, uh, Joe Schmo's, and uh, it's a really good place. It has really good hot dogs and things, desserts and so forth, and we were sitting in there, and there was an old song playing that I knew when I was a teenager, and I remember it. It's a, it's, Robert remembered. He probably still listens to it. Um, a guy's talking about how he's been real, you know, he's, he's a rock star and he's real rich. I just remember the song because I remember one phrase. He's talking about all the things he has that are good in his life. And he goes, you know, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. Isn't that how we are? We have so much going on and like, I have nothing to complain about. Whenever someone says that, the next thing that's going to come out of their mouth is a complaint. That's how we are. Do you know... Even with all the issues we have going on now and inflation and you name it, uh, we still, the, the, the poorest person in our country, the poorest people in our country are, are better off than 95% of the rest of the world. And we can still complain, no matter how we ha good we have it. I saw a video someone showed me of, uh, by the way, YouTube's been a, a, a dumpster fire for everybody putting whatever they want on there. There's a homeless guy on YouTube, and what he does is he, he goes to these different places that feed the homeless, and then he does a critique of the food that he gets from them. Anybody seen that? It's the funniest thing in the world. He says, let's look at the packaging, and he criticizes the packaging. This is not eco-friendly, blah, 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 and then he opens it up, and he starts to eat it, and he, he complains about the free food that he is getting only in America you can get online and complain about food that people are giving you for no cost now we may not get on on YouTube and complain about the things in our life but we still do we focus a lot on what we don't have we focus on what other people have or we are focusing on things that we think we need in, other, in order to be happy. Some people just complain. Many years ago, we had a lady in our church, and I was talking to her, and she decided to take that opportunity to criticize her husband. And so she just started going off, and I'm like, I got to change the, you know, I got to change, I don't want to be rude, but I, let's, change the, let's change the narrative here. So I said, as she's going on and on about her husband, she stopped talking for a second. I'm like, hey, how's your mom doing? And she said, you know, my mom's doing really good. She's mad at my husband too. It's like, okay, you just can't win for losing. We complain and we shouldn't. We know this psalm very, very well, Psalm number 100. When you try to understand any, any portion of scripture, you look at it and sometimes it's like, just look at the words in there and see if you can figure out what the theme of this, of this chapter is, right? The theme of this chapter is pretty evident. 
In verse 1, he uses the word joyful. That word literally means to, to shout in triumph. To be joyful and happy because you are on the winning side. In verse 2, he uses the word gladness. Everything's good. He uses also the word singing. Singing is a joyful ex uh, use of our voice. In verse 4, he uses the word thanksgiving. What does thanksgiving mean? Just flip it in half. To give thanks. He talks about praise. The act of singing a song of praise to our God. He uses the word thankful again, to give thanks. And then he uses the word bless. That means to, to bless somebody, to, to vocally say something good about that individual. All of these things that we are supposed to be involved with really originate because we are thankful to him. And so if we're thankful to him, we are supposed to express it to him. And to be honest with you, most of the time we need to express it to him in front or around other people. That's what this psalm is about. If you'll look at the top of it, it says, Psalm 100, a psalm of praise. Uh, many tell us that this was a psalm that they would use uh, as part of their, uh, in the temple, as part of their, their Thanksgiving offering. They literally had offering, offerings they would bring, and the purpose of that offering was to be thankful and give thanks to the God of heaven for all that he has done. So if you read this, and really you read the whole book of Psalms, but Psalms like this, especially, I kind of get the idea that God wants us to be thankful. I kind of think that God wants us to be grateful for what is going on in our life. And that's not a theme that's just not, not in the book of Psalms. It's everywhere throughout the Bible. Let me give you some verses here. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. You can jot these down and look at them later. He says, by him, therefore, let us offer, us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We think about the offerings they would bring in the temple. They'd bring offerings for their sin, and they would bring these offerings, and sometimes their animals. He goes, you know there's an offering we need to bring, bring to God? That's the offering of just praising him and being thankful to him for all that he's done. God wants us to do that. By the way, uh, that offering doesn't cost anything. Just a, an act of recognition of what God's doing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in all wisdom, in you in all reason, wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Everything we do ought to be thankful, ought to be, uh, uh, be as a result of our praise for him. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course we know the verse well in Philippians. Be careful for nothing. That just means don't worry about anything. Don't let worry get to you. Don't sit there and stress about things. But in everything by prayer and supplication, pray to God about your situation. But he also mentions how we pray, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. I don't know about you, but I've prayed about things before, and I've done it without a spirit of thanksgiving. I've done it in a spirit of whining, okay? Like, God, what's going on? i got to have this. God wants us to pray, but also we need to have thanksgiving as well. And just in case we don't get it, he kind of wraps it all together in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 
He makes it pretty clear. He gives us the parameters of, of praise. He says, in everything, give thanks. No matter what's going on in your life, not that it necessarily is, is, is uh, you know, something we want to go through or something that's good, but we ought to be able, because of who he is and what he's done in our life, in all those things, we should still be able to give pra- uh, thanks and praise. Then he tells us the purpose of it. It's the will of God. You know, we always talk about, what does God want me to do with my life? Who does God want me to marry? Where does God want me to go? And he tells us about all those things, and he says, this is the will of God. And when God, the Bible says something's the will of God, it's what you're supposed to do. So if you're not thankful, and you're not praising him, and you're not grateful for what God does, you are not doing his will in your life in that area. And we need to remember that. And then he makes it personal. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what's wrong with us sometimes? Well, a lot of things, but we don't have that much time. But we have this, um, uh, uh, you heard of the, uh, the, the, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? You ever heard that? Isn't that the syndrome we all live with? We, we, we can't just be content and happy with what we have. We have to look at what others have and like, man, I wish I had, you know, what they had. And you could, look, you could go out and buy yourself a car, and you're so pleased with it until you drive in somebody else's car. I remember it was, it was close, almost 10 years ago, the last time we bought, we, I, got, I bought my wife a Suburban. She likes these big cars. And it was like, I think it was like 2014 or something, and I'm like, that's a really nice model. And then literally like five months later, the new model came out, and someone in our church bought it. And they drove by, and I'm like, that one looks better than the one we bought. I mean, you know, it's, it's a little more stylish. And then it's like, you know, stop it. It's a Chevy. As long as it's not a Ford, it's all fine. But that's how we are. We're really happy with what we have, and we see somebody else's, and it's like, wow, we want that. Sometimes it's because we're looking at what other, have, what, what other people have. You know, they call that the perception bias. We see what other people have, and it's like, man, if I just had that, I'd be happy and I'd be thankful. You probably wouldn't. And by the way, that's called covetousness. Just throw that out there. Covetousness is one of the big ten. You might want to stay away from it, right? It could be that we think we don't, that what we have will not bring us joy. I mean, we're just really good. We have everything we need to be joyful in this life, and so Satan and our flesh get us focused on what we don't have, and then we lose the joy that we should have. We're looking over that fence at the grass that's greener. By the way, the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence, but once you got over there, you probably would quit watering it and cutting it, and it would just be like the grass you have now. Okay, that, I didn't mean to say that. Sometimes we get that syndrome because we believe that we don't have, that what we don't have is what, uh, because of what we have is not keeping us from problems. We think if we had more in life, we wouldn't have problems like we have today, right? You want help with that? Read Psalm chapter 73 where Asaph had that, that, that syndrome. He goes, I was looking at the prosperity of the wicked. He goes, and, and I almost slipped. My feet, I almost lost my Christian life because I was looking at what other people had. And if you read that psalm, he says they don't have problems. Everything's going good for them until he went to the sanctuary. And he goes, okay, they don't have a relationship with God, so things aren't going to turn out. We look at what other people have, and it's like, wow, I, I need that. And we're just not content with what we have. So we need something different. we got to go somewhere else. we got to have something else. i got to different all these different parameters. A lot of times we're just discontented because we're listening to other people who think they know what's best for us. You know? Well, I moved to Wichita. You ought to move to Wichita with me. I have a nice big house. Well, you need a nice big house because 
The weather in the summer stinks. You're going to have to live in that house. I always say, why are the houses in Wichita so cheap? Because it's in Wichita. No one wants to live there. Okay? And you could have the nicest house in any city in this country, and if that's not where God wants you, you won't be happy. You could have whatever job you name. I want this job because I'd have this, that. That's not what God has for you. You won't be happy. And by the way, if you're looking to that job and you're looking to that house for happiness, you won't be happy. Because that's not where joy and happiness comes from. We ought to need, we need to quit looking. And by the way, whenever someone moves somewhere, whatever they, oh, that's the greatest thing in the world. And they're trying to convince themselves by convincing others. Several years ago, a long time ago, we had a small little group of people, a couple at a time they left, and they're all going to this different church, and they're telling everybody how wonderful it is. None of them go there anymore. None of them even go to church anymore. Maybe it wasn't that good after all. But quit listening to people. Why don't you just listen to God and find out what he wants for us? But we face all these things that make us very discontented, right? Social media. No one posts dumb things or bad things on social media. It's every, everything you post on social media, it's the best thing that ever happened. Well, okay, but life's not like that. Life's not a social media post. And you might have good moments, but there's other, no one posts it like, ate here, worst food ever. And by the way, you might want to. Help us out. Okay? You eat at some restaurant and it's horrible, let us know. We don't want to eat there. We want the good stuff. You know, this is all wonderful. And, and you know, this is my, and, 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 you know, I know, and, you know, I don't, happy Mother's Day to the best mother, and that's great, that's fine, best wife ever, but, but do you feel that way when it's not Mother's Day? You should, okay, I'm just telling you. You know, do you feel that way when it's not your anniversary? All right, we're moving on quickly here. Social media, there are no negatives, except for, you know, political opinions. You always see better opportunities. The worst area, though, where we are neglectful to be thankful is really in the area of being thankful to God. We're not thankful for what's going on in our life. We're not thankful for the good things that we have. But a lot of times we just don't think about how God is good to us. The Bible makes it very clear we're to be thankful. We ought to be thankful for what God does. Look, if God doesn't, you know, if we're not walking around right now a pile of ashes, God's good. Because that's what we deserve. If we're not going to hell, we ought to be thankful. Because I'll just be honest with you. That's what we deserve. You know, people pray sometimes, Lord, give me what I deserve. I'm like, don't do that. I don't want to pray for God to give me what I deserve. I want him to give me what I don't deserve. And I hope that's you too. But if you look at this psalm, there's several areas that tell us what we can do or what we should do, how we can be thankful to God. The first one is we ought to be thankful by, by our songs. Verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2, come before his presence with singing. The first one is for people like me that don't sing very well. The second one is for people that do sing well. Okay? I'm in the joyful noise category. And if you can sing, then you are in number two. But you know what? Do you understand? You read through the Bible. Music's a big deal. It really is. Music is important in the Bible. The book of Psalms, a whole book is a song book. It's scripture, but it's a scripture that was sung. Uh, you even read through the Bible, and you, most of them are in here where David would get song or, or something good happened, and uh, um, 
Moses gave a song uh, in the book of Judges after they defeated uh, Sisera. There was a song there. That was just always a natural expression of being joyful and happy for what God has done. Bible singing, biblical singing, has always been an expression of our love and joy towards God. When you see that in Psalms, it talks about break forth with singing. He's talking about the fact that we ought to be joyful for what God is doing, and it springs up in our heart. We can't help but sing. That's an evidence of our love. The world knows this, right? I mean, they have love songs. Now, they're not really love songs. They're lust songs. Okay, because you sing it to this girl, next week you're singing it to somebody else. And you're singing these songs without commitment. But, you know, oh, I got to sing to my girl. Okay, she'll be someone else's girl in a week. But, but all, and, then, and then, you know, you know, our weddings, we have our weddings, and they sing their songs, and, and they're, they're Christian love songs, right? And they sing to their spouse because they're the most wonderful thing in the world, and they are. When we got married, my wife, I don't know if I knew ahead of time, she, she sang to me at the altar, Okay. Something like uh, the battle's on, you know. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. And I'm like, oh, we are. It's on, sister. But, uh, but <laughs> you know, we want to sing to each other. And uh, that's expression of joy and love. Did you sing to your wife? Look, she sang to me because she loved me. And I didn't sing to her because I loved her. Okay, that would have ruined the whole thing. But singing is, re is related to praise. In Psalm chapter, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. In the next phrase, giving thanks. Why? Those two are always closely tied together. Colossians, we read that. Uh, Let the word of Christ dwell, dwell with you in all, all wisdom. And he talks about singing. In verse 17, he talks about giving praise. You know, music moves you. It gives you a feeling, right? You say, oh, pastor, it doesn't matter the type of music, really. Uh, you, 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 if you watch a, something that's scary, what do they do in, in the old movies? It's like, you know when the vampire or the guy's going to get, you know, the bad thing's coming because the music is dun dun. Dun dun dun. I mean, when someone's going to get, like, stabbed in the back, they don't like, they don't play that kind of music. Like, you know, it's joyful music and here comes a knife. No, 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 no. It's like, it's dark, right? Remember Jaws? Dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. And it's like, you know what that means? Somebody's getting eaten. Yeah, big fish, here he comes. You know, they, so, so Hollywood knows it portrays an emotion. It knows that it moves you to an emotion. And so we don't see, we try to, we try to be pushed, we try to own the narrative of emotion. We're singing to God. And by the way, the, the melody of those songs ought to match what we're doing. Okay? And that's a message for another way. But see, uh, that's why our, our contemporary Christian music has its all, it, it's, it's all backwards. They put the kind of music that ministers to us, to our flesh, and it's not a music that, uh, that sinners or, or, or portrays praise and worship to God. Why do you like that song? I like that beat. I know your flesh does. That's why you see these that play that contemporary music and everybody in the audience, they're, doing, they're moving around and all that stuff. I used to see that stuff. I saw it at the rock concerts I went to. Okay? And guess what? We weren't praising God there. We were moving with the music. The music was, was driving the force, not what was going on. And I don't want the music to drive me. I want the music to be driven towards God. I want the music to keep me in the right frame of mind so I can think about God. And, and let me just say this, and we'll move on. Music has never been an evangelistic tool. 
Bible never tells us to win people with music. You don't win them that way. You win them with the gospel. But music is very, very important. And by the way, I'll say this. Parents, get your children involved in music. Get them, get them, get them in instruments and get them singing and all that. Listen, if they're singing the right kind of songs and they have the right kind of melody in their heart, it's kind of hard to go sideways for God when you got the right kind of music in your heart. But song, it's, music is very important. Also by our service, he says in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. What better way to show your thankfulness to God than by serving him? We ought to do it with everything that's within us. Colossians 3.21 says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as, uh, as to the Lord and not unto men. If you serve in a ministry here, you ought to give your all. Why? So someone notices how good I am and pats you on the back? No, but I'm all for patting people on the back. You ought to do it because you're doing it for God. You ought to do it because you're, you know, you're your boss. I don't know if that's a disrespectful term, but you're working for him. And you're working because of how good he's been to you. By the way, we shouldn't have trouble with faithfulness. Let me just say this. If you're serving, let's be on time. Okay, there's a lot going on around here, and we can't have people coming in late. We need to be here on time, ready to go and prepared, spiritually prepared. Prepared to, you say, well, you know, and I get it. You're working in the nursery. I don't know how you get prepared for that. Watch a war movie? I don't know. But be prepared and be here and, and be ready to go and give it your all. Why? No one's going to see me do it. God's going to see you do it. And you could say, God, I'm doing this for one person. I'm doing this for you. I want you to know, uh, yeah, and by the way, you can enjoy doing it, and you can enjoy helping people, but the bottom line is, Lord, I'm doing this because it's just a small way. I can tell you how grateful I am for what you've done in my life. Serve him. And by the way, you'll be more joyful than you ever were before. The most joyful people in the church are those that are doing things. Not those that are sitting around criticizing everything that's being done. Boy, how easy is it to sit? Well, you know, if I was up there singing, I would have done this. Okay, we'll get in the choir. Well, let's see how you can do. You know, well, you know, if I was in the choir, I'd go, okay, get in the choir. Well, you know, if I was on that bus, get on the bus route. Okay, well, if I was an usher, I'd do, okay, then ush. Okay, <laughs> ushers ush. Whatever it is, get involved. Man, I love God, and I was so excited about God. Six months in, I started serving him, and it was so much better. I just started getting involved in ministry, and I, was, I had so much more joy. I have found in a church, and by the way, we really don't have a lot of this here, those that gripe the most do the less, do the least. Oh, there are people in a church that's like, Pastor, we should do this. I'm like, cool. When are you going to get started? Right? We, we, we came up with this phrase in staff meeting because people come up with ideas. Here's the phrase. You birth it, you bathe it. That's your baby. Go ahead. I had a guy call me a while ago, and he was like, hey, pastor, we need to go do this outside ministry somewhere. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you about it. You know, it sounds like a good idea. He goes, okay. And then someone said, you know, he quit going to church here. And I'm like, so I called him back. I said, look. Because I was going to ask him, hey, if you got a heart for that, go ahead, let me help you get this started. And he's, I'm like, did you stop going to church here? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, then go talk to your pastor. And he says, I did. He thinks you should do it. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Get involved. People are telling you, hey, this is a great man. Okay, let's, let's do it. Get involved. 
We don't need people that give ideas, right? Let's just get with it. Why do we do it? Because we do it for God. It's just a small week and say, Lord, I'm all in on what, this, what you've done for me. By the way, we know Philippians chapter 2. I won't do it. Uh, Jesus Christ said he was humble and he made himself a no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. Well, my, if he can serve us, could we not serve him? By the way, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he said this, but he that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. He said, you, you want to be a big shot? Everybody will come in like, you know, pastor, I'm gifted. I'll teach. That's all I'll do. Well, you're never going to teach here. If you're not willing to do other things, right? We, everybody wants to be the big shot. Jesus said, you know who the big shot is? Those that are willing to serve. Remember, he started washing their feet, and Peter said, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. You're the Lord. And he goes, hey, if I don't do this, you're not even part of mine. He goes, okay, then let's do the whole thing. He goes, no, just your feet, Pete, calm down. But what was he saying? Like, no one is ever too much of a big shot to not serve. You know, I'd never sweep the floor. Okay. But, but that's serving God, right? And so let's serve him. You want to serve God? Make sure first you're a member. Be available. Commit to what you're doing. And by the way, be alert. Look around. Sometimes opportunities arise and like, you know what? I, I can do that. Next, we show our praise to God by our surrender. Look at verse 3. He said, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You know, one thing we need to realize, we have to have the proper position here. Sometimes we forget that, you know, God's in control. He's God. He made us. We didn't make him. Right? Now, I know a lot of people, the way they worship God, they kind, of, they kind of create God their own image. What they want, that's what they want God to be. God's like, no, I don't need you to do that. I am who I am. Right? Someone said that God created us in, in, in his image, and what we've done now is we've returned the favor. We've made a God that we want. But we surrender. We have to understand that he's the one that is powerful. And he says, and not we ourselves. We're not, we're not power. We're the powerless ones. So why do we serve God? Because we understand our position. We are subservient to him. He is the one in charge. He is the one in control. And because he's the one in control, we fulfill his will. We want to do what he feels is best. We want to follow him. Everything's got to be in order. And whenever you want to be in control of your life, you are not going to serve God. You're out of order. I remember Bob. Bob came and helped us when we first started building this building, when we were doing a majority of the work ourselves. You remember? And Bob's thing was, because we were, like, we got started, like, let's do a little bit of everything at once. That's not the best way to do it. And Bob's phrase was, we're out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. You got to go in steps. And he was right. But we're out of order when we think we're in control of our lives. He made us. We did not make him. This isn't like the pagan gods that the world serves, that they make up. He made us. He's in control. We are underneath him. He also, we also serve God by our submission. Verse 3, the end, it says, we are his people. And then here's something very uncomplimentary. And the sheep of his pasture. We know this already. I've mentioned it. Sheep are super dumb. They are. They are not bright. They are, they're, they're very bad. They have some really bad characteristics. They're very vulnerable. 
They're very vulnerable to predators because they're very weak and they lack a natural self-defense. And they're always putting themselves in the front line of getting hurt if they're not with the shepherd. We're vulnerable too. They're fearful. They're easily frightened. I was listening to a guy preach one time. He said he grew up on a farm and, and um, he, he, he had, uh, there was a, a small sheep there and he decided to scare it. And he said the sheep came around the corner and he literally scared this sheep and he said it fell over dead. He had to go tell his dad, like, I was just trying to, I don't know what he did, something super loud and the animal, boom, dead. Okay. By the way, this is how God describes us. Are you with me? We're sheep. We are fearful of what's going on. You know, sheep lack discernment. They don't know what's safe. They don't know what's dangerous. They're always putting themselves in, in bad situations. They, they have this herd mentality. They just imitate others without thinking about the consequences. You know, one sheep wants to go the wrong direction. It's like, oh, let's just follow him. And they're helpless. Those are all very bad characteristics which we share. We're vulnerable to our spiritual enemies. We're fearful about everything that's going on in life. We can lack discernment about what's coming. We'll follow anything anybody says, and we are helpless. But you know what he says? I'm your shepherd. shepherd protect the, uh, a shepherd protects the flock. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Isn't that what he did? And verse 14 of John 10, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and are known of me. He is our shepherd. Now here's the question. When we are thankful to him, we welcome sub submitting ourselves or surrendering ourselves to that position. See, he can't be our shepherd if we don't allow him to be. If we decide to do our own thing, we're going to be out like a sheep heading off into the woods just to get eaten by a wolf. Isaiah tells us that's how we are. All we like sheep have gone astray. We just, that's, where we, that's where we naturally head out. He cannot lead us if we're not willing to lead. And so we need to be ready for that. We need to be able to surrender to him, to, 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 to be subservient. Also, we praise him by the sanctuary. Look at verse 4. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. He's giving a picture now of going to the temple to worship. When you do that, you enter through the gates of the city of Jerusalem, and then you enter into the courts of the temple. And as we're going to the sanctuary, he says, do it with thanksgiving and get to the temple with praise. You cannot praise God correctly unless you have a great relationship with your church. Amen. Isn't that why we're here? Aren't we here because we want, to, we want to praise God and have a place where we honor and glorify his name through all that we do? You know, people are like, well, you know, I don't need church anymore. Uh, and these little hypocritical stuff, you know, I, I, I don't need the church, I have Christ. Okay. But Jesus did say that he died for the church. If you read Ephesians chapter 5, I kind of get the suspicion based on what he says, the church is a big deal to Jesus. So he wants us to be a part of it. Well, I don't need the church. They're hypocrites. Now, there's two responses to that. Like, okay, we're, there's always room for one more. Not everybody in the church is a hypocrite. It's amazing how people do it. You know, I went to church one time, and I saw this hypocrite, and I'll never go back. Um, do you ever have any hypocrites where you work? Well, I'm never going to work again. I mean, come on. That's not how it works. You don't judge Christianity on Christians. You judge it on Christ. 
Now, there are a lot of good Christians. Don't get me wrong. I don't need the church. People have hurt me. And that's sad, by the way. And, I would, and I'm, not, I'm not condoning people that would hurt you. Uh, um, and, and, and that, but that's not a reason to give up on God, to give up on the church. Christianity is aligned with the church, and it's very important. How's your relationship to your church? I, don't, I have this suspicion that if we're not willing to thank God in the church, we're not going to thank God outside the church. It just doesn't work that way. He also says we're to do it in our speech. Verse 4, be thankful unto him and bless his name. We're supposed to be vocal about our, our praise to our God. We ought to stand up for him, by the way. Too many Christians, people don't even know you're a Christian because you wouldn't say a word about it. Why? Look, you know, I, I could talk to someone that likes sports. I can t I, they'll tell me who their favorite team is right away. They'll wear their jersey. They'll do their this. They'll do their that. And you wouldn't know that they love Jesus Christ. I want people to know I love Christ. I want people to know I'm, a, I'm not afraid to say it. And I'm, not, and I'm not ashamed to bless his name. And you shouldn't be ashamed to bless his name. There's something good about the name of Christ. Your speech, if it doesn't come out in your speech that you love Christ, then something's wrong. Could it be that we're not really on his side? And I'll leave it at that. We praise him through our salvation. Verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting. Huh. I just, I relate that to me, to salvation, because God is good to us. We don't deserve salvation. And God is merciful to us because we do deserve eternal judgment. If you're not going to hell, you have everything you need to thank him. You don't need anything else. Because you'll have all, you think, we're, we're so boxed into this life. And I get it, this is what we have. But you know you only have what? The Bible tells us you have 70. If you take supplements, you might get to 80. You know how long eternity is? It's like 80 times infinity. It's forever. 80 years is zip. It's nada. All that time with Christ, and you think about it, all that time you could, you could have spent all eternity in hell. But he saved you. He didn't have to save us. When Adam and Eve sinned, he could have said, I'm done with you. But he didn't. He said, I don't want you to go to hell. And he formulated the plan where Jesus Christ if a person is not thankful for their salvation, I just have a suspicion they don't understand it very well. I read a story, it's, I believe it's fictional, but there was a king in a country and, and, and you, know, you have to have an heir to take over after him and he didn't have a son. He was starting to get older and they're like, look, you obviously aren't going to have a son. You need, to, you need to get someone to be an heir. So he went out to find someone he could adopt. And he went into the village and he found this, this child without a family and the child was poor and dirty and had ripped and torn clothes and he's like, this is going to be my son. He took him back to the castle, adopted him and, uh, you know, clothed him, gave him a room, took care of him and, and he lived in the palace and every morning the, the, I don't know if he was a butler or who, the servant would go up to get the child and he would bring him his clothes for the day and tell him to get dressed and get ready and then he would take him down to breakfast and the servant noticed, he goes, man, it, it takes forever for this kid to get ready uh, to get down to breakfast. And so, so one day he asked him, he goes, how come it takes you so long to get dressed and get ready to come down for breakfast? And he said, I'll show you. And he went into his, his, his room, and he had those old clothes he wore. 
old ripped, tattered, dirty clothes. He goes, whenever you bring me those clothes every morning, he goes, before I get dressed, I put on my own clothes. And I look in the mirror because I never want to forget what the king did for me. And if you can't be thankful for your salvation, you know what's happened? You forgot what God did for you. I guarantee you, you were happy when you first got saved. And now we're so used to it. And by the way, when I say that, I'm not just dumping on you because I, I, I get the same way. I forget that. Wait a minute. That salvation, you know, it's like, hey, uh, you know, this person got saved. It's like, yeah, you know, they're just saved. That's a big thing. I hope we remember that. And then lastly, we thank him by the scriptures. Verse 5 again. And his truth endureth to all generations. Aren't you glad that God has given us an eternal truth? I mean, we can thank God and we should for our salvation. But on top of that, he said, let me give you some truth to live by. Until you die the day of your death and you end up in heaven, I'm going to give you direction in life. I'm going to give you the coordinates. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the path you're supposed to trot. I'm going to give you how you can have a better relationship with me. It's all tied up into his word. Be thankful that God has given us the scripture. He has not left us here to defend for ourselves. What's the point? We can go on forever. The point is we need to be thankful. God kind of, it's a big deal to him. Are you thankful to God? By the way, it's easy. We get caught up in every day of our life, and there's just so many ways we can thank him. There's so many things we can be thankful about, but we have to be purposeful about it. What do they say? The reason we're not thankful is because we don't think. So when you're tempted to look at your life and like, man, and by the way, we all do. Things come up, and there's irritations in life. I get it. But when we stop and really think about it, are they really that bad? And I'm like you. I see, you know, the, the, the black dot and the white paper. Like 99.99% of the paper's white, and there's like that little black dot. I see the black dot. Well, what happened here? Okay, that's just how we are. We have to focus ourselves in sometimes and say, wait a minute. God's, God's, there's a lot of good things God's doing. God's working in my life. God's given me a future. He's given me something. He wants to be a part of my life. But we forsake it so often. Let's not forsake it. In our words, in our actions, in our service, and in our love for him, let's thank him. Let, let's not be, let's not be uh, what's the word, uh, just, we take it for granted. And we're, we're like, well, you know, I, it, it just irritates me. You give a kid something, it's like, they just look at you like, really? Or like, I don't want that, I want something better. It's like, well, then go get a job, okay? Give that to you. Let's be thankful people. Let's stand together this evening, please, if we may. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a minute. Are we thankful to him? Are we not content with what God is doing in our life? Hey, maybe we should quit looking at other people's lives. Because the fact of the matter is, God has a plan for you. And your plan, his plan for you might be different than what he has for somebody else. And the good thing about it is, God is our heavenly father, he knows us better than anybody else. He wants what's best for us. And he knows what's best for us. So why don't we just follow him with a thankful heart? With a thankful heart. Have we started to take him for granted today? Are you not thinking about all the good things God has done for you? Part of eternity is praising God. 
If you don't like praising God here, you're going you're gonna to struggle in heaven because we're going to do a lot of that. Let's be thankful to him. Let's be careful we don't slide over into this complaining. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come?